0: You're listening to Yo! An Underlord's Podcast. Brought to you by YetiArcade.com. Yo! 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 Level up your game by getting the latest news, reviews, and strategy to help you in your quest to becoming a lord of the White Spire. And now your hosts. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 4 of Yo! an underlords podcast brought to you by YetiRK.com. today is sunday um september 8th of 2019 and here in kansas city i am your host jr cook and i am joined by my other two co- co-hosts here uh coming all the way from amish country indiana we have willie <laughs> how's it going willie
1: it's going fantastic yeah i I am absolutely delighted to be back after that mini vacation we had. There's so many changes for us to go through. It's it's great. I love it.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things that happened since uh, we last did the show a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, first, before we even get into that, my other co-host coming from over in Michigan, we have Charlie. How's it going, Charlie?
2: I'm doing pretty good. Uh, One of those changes being a better mic quality for our listening audience on my end, Uh, so I'm I'm glad to provide you guys with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're still working on improving the audio quality of the show. We're slowly getting there. Got Charlie a little, some new equipment.
2: Yeah, hopefully in the coming weeks we we get it up to snuff with everybody's expectations. Uh, All the feedback has been wonderful, though. I I really appreciate hearing people, you know, offering tweaks and ideas.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, like like I said, we've been gone for a couple weeks now. Um, this was a planned vacation. Uh, even before we did the show, we knew that last weekend was going to be off Labor Day weekend. Um, I went all the way down to Atlanta. Uh, over to Dragon Con. I was there for a full week. Um, I love Dragon Con. It's by far like my favorite convention ever. This was our eighth year going now, and uh, it's it's a can't miss me um everybody says that's the
2: one to go to it's it's the biggest party as far as cons go
0: it's a big giant party that is for sure um it's unlike any convention i've ever been to um and i don't think it can be replicated either so it's 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 very unique
2: um definitely on my bucket list hope to make it down there one year with
0: yeah no yeah it's it's a lot of fun
1: yeah i've always been partial to gen con but then again i'm from indiana and i'm really lazy (laughs)
0: <laughs> uh gen con is definitely on my bucket list um, it's, it's the, a great con the the problem with gen con for me is the fact that it's like two weeks before dragon con and yeah. it's just too close for me and it's like sorry dragon con wins
2: i think gen con is the best one for board games though from what i've from yeah, what i've seen and heard definitely. like if you want to get in like giant board game tournaments or, or purchases i think they do do an auction too pretty cool uh
0: board games tabletop rpgs yeah are, are the big yeah. two
1: weird weird okay weird short story uh went to the one of the years i went to gen con i played in a war machines tournament and ended up beating rupert from survivor
0: i have no idea who that is but congrats yeah thanks (laughs) yeah and then
1: he and then he tried running for president and that didn't work out too well for him
0: i (laughs) didn't even know who that was i don't watch survivor
1: i don't Um, either i had no idea who the guy was until someone came up to him as we were having a cigarette outside after uh, after we played and we were talking about what we did in our our reasoning behind it and hey aren't you Rupert from Survivor <laughs> I was just like you were on Survivor I won one of them <laughs> oh well, that's pretty that's pretty cool I had no idea I was playing somebody famous. I don't watch the show now I'm embarrassed <laughs>
0: yeah Uh, Dragon Con story about celebrities, um, it's been a few years now, but, uh, was one year, um, where I made friends with a bunch of stunt doubles from The Walking Dead. Um, we were hanging out at a bar together, um, at one of the hotel bars, and I had no idea who they were, and then after they said something, I'm like, oh, this makes sense because you guys kind of do look like the cast, (laughs) (laughs) and, um... And then another year, um, there was a couple guys that were on Face Off, um, which was a show that they did, like, makeup and stuff like that. And uh, they were doing—I was doing a barf cosplay from uh, Spaceballs, and they were doing Spaceballs cosplays as well. And I got to hang out with them and uh, I come to find out, like, one of the guys now does, like, puppeteering and stuff on the Star Wars films. So, wow. Yeah. So that was pretty I myself— cool
2: have no cool stories to share about celebrities so <laughs>
0: that just maybe that just means you are the celebrity charlie it's
2: that's true once i come to dragon con the real party can start
0: right exactly <laughs> exactly um but yeah if uh, if anybody ever has a chance of going to dragon con there's like 85,000 people that go now um it's a lot of people but it's a lot of fun um definitely not underlords related though and definitely not <laughs> They do have a gaming track. They do have a gaming track, but it seems to be a little bit more focused on like World of Warcraft and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Charlie, you also went on vacation too, though.
2: Yeah, I took a trip out to Chicago, visit my sister. It was it was very good, uh refreshing. And uh yeah, I um got to i I didn't get to play as much as I'd like. Work has been kind of busy along with uh the vacation and stuff, but I did manage to make it a big boss too, so happy with that. Feel still feels like a slippery slope though, a lot of fifth place finishes. Um can't really consistently place in the top four yet. I'm still trying to figure it out a bit in uh in this meta.
0: It's it's hard when the meta seems to change every three days. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it it is uh it is a shocking change. I kind of thought, um, and we'll get into it obviously more in the news. But I thought we would get a few small balance changes, maybe a rework of some odds. Instead, they just stick with two brand new mechanics and in, in contraptions uh, contraptions and aces. So uh, it's it's been an interesting change. I think it's been positive, but yeah, there's a lot to take in.
0: That's definitely one of the things that Underlords has caught me off guard since we started playing. Is they don't just make small changes every week. Yeah. They make some pretty big changes every week. And we're not even done. Like, Underlords, the mechanic, is yeah. still, like, coming pretty soon. Maybe this week.
2: Yeah, I'm pretty excited for all of it. And I'm glad they're not happy to rest on their laurels. They've been definitely separating them. Themselves from the pack. There's a lot of competition out there in the auto battler slash auto chess uh, arena right now, yeah. and I think it's good that Underlords is starting to feel very distinct and and very much its own. Ha- it very much has its own identity. It, it's pretty cool. As frustrating yeah. as it can be as a player trying to climb rank and and right. keep keep with the current meta, I, I think these are been all very overall overall very healthy changes.
0: And they still have a long ways to go too. Um, I mean, they're obviously not the most popular one out there right now. Um yeah. And so they have a lot of ground to still kind of catch up, differentiate themselves and maybe uh maybe get the game a little bit out there more to the masses. Um and, and I think that's coming. I think I, I I really do. Um the only problem that Valve has in my opinion is uh they don't do great at marketing to the masses, but they do a great job of um uh getting people interested in their games through other means. Um, Willie, you could probably contest to this, such as, um, you know, the, the big tournament that they do every year for Dota 2 with TI. That's just a huge, I mean, that's just a huge marketing thing anyway.
1: Yeah, they, they, that's their baby. That's, that's their, that's their bread and butter right there. Um, TI is just a, a marvel of production, yeah. uh, in my, in my opinion. Like, they don't do some of the neat stuff, like, uh, League, does I'll I'll be honest like that that world's video where they put like actual players as some of the characters yeah that that opening video the rise i think it was that like was one of the coolest things i've ever seen um but dota will also do like really neat things like put iconic plays like through their uh their source movie maker so you get like these theatrically styled sequences of like really big plays um and, but and that too is r- really cool to see. But Valve just goes all in. They've got like the holograms on the floor. They've got the map. Like if you look down on where the players are playing, they've got this this video floor. Like if uh, Enigma uses his black hole, a black hole show up on the floor in between the two like uh, booths for the players. It like it's really hard to put into words like just how important Ti is to them. Yeah, and I would love to see a uh, like a Ti styled event for under. I would have loved to have seen it for <laughs> Artifact, but well, well, lessons learned.
0: Yeah, well, Artifact definitely did not um, meet expectations. Um, Underlords, I don't feel like had expectations. Um, no,
1: I I really feel like this was just hey, this is really taking off. We need we need to capitalize on this. Yeah, and yeah. to Bruno and Finals co- credit. Those are uh, two people who are are working on the game. Bruno Statsman, he's a legendary. He's, dude's a legend. Um, His most popular, the most popular meme about him is the no legs strat, where he explains, he's got like books of notes on a game, and then he's just like, this person has no legs, this person has no legs, this person has no legs, this person floats so their legs don't count, this person has no legs, that's the strat. (laughs) And it was like, the, the panel had no idea how to react to that. They all just started laughing. Um, but they, you can tell they're putting all their effort right. They absolutely love this game. And it, and it really shows with how frequent the updates are coming and how much they're trying to balance this. Yeah. So it, it's like they have definitely learned their lessons in this case.
0: So Willie, uh with the break that we had, what have you been up to? uh a whole lot of nothing
1: <laughs> uh i've been I've been messing around with bots trying to get a feel for like what's strong because I just again, I just dislike going into player games trying to do new stuff. I'd rather just do that in AI um especially with things like the contraptions those are a huge change. I mean, just introducing the contraptions alone, like we're not playing the same game anymore we're not you know my skills in Underlords are no longer going to transfer over to, like, TFT or uh, Dota Auto Chess. Um, but it's just too different of a game at this point. I mean, even with the uh, new Alliance synergies, and even including Ace Units, it's, it's definitely separating itself from the pack. And, like, I just, I took a break. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, played, I've played enough Auto Chess and just, experimenting with everything that like i've almost i'm almost 25 on my proto pass nice like i just i just love theory crafting too much it's just so much fun to me.
2: yeah um yeah, yeah i mean i don't think anyone expects you to put report in every week with your rank or anything like that no i would hope hopefully not.
0: Hopefully not Yeah. <laughs> um No, oh, it's kind of funny the whole ranking thing uh when people like it, it's funny i posted the show on reddit and like i had like two people ask us like Hey, what's your rank? Uh, you know, uh, Charlie's big boss. I'm boss. I'm not 100% sure what Willie is. But at the same time, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like, we're just yeah. here to talk about the game, Um, talk about from our perspective on different things. Um, You're not going to get—we're not Lords of the White Spire. You're not going to get that level of analysis. But you're going to get analysis that I feel is pretty good.
1: So. Yeah, I— and I had a crisis of faith over the weekend in myself. Um, and I, I, I reached out to several casters that I know in the Dota Two and and Underlords scene. I'm like, hey guys, your opinion does mechanical skill translate into the ability to cast something? And every one of them said absolutely not. Right. <laughs> and and, and, I, and I and I honestly I I agree with them. Like there's some Dota casters I know <laughs> that are just really bad. Like they will, they will tell you exactly what's going on and you will walk away watching it with a hundred percent certainty that, you know, what just happened, but they can't execute it themselves. And that's fine. Like that's, that was what I was trying to get the answer to. And, you know, pretty much all the casters I talked to over the weekend were like, no, like that, those things don't, aren't correlated at all." all.
0: Right. It's usually just important to understand what's going on more than anything and yeah. uh, if you can't deliver on it, um, that's not... It, being able to understand what's happening is what's important, even if you can't deliver on it yourself. Yeah. I, it's like watching football. And, uh, you know, with the exception of Tony Romo, um, you know, the best casters probably didn't even play uh, at the pro level themselves. So, um, yeah. The only exception is uh, Tony Romo because he's yeah. just really good at that stuff.
1: Yeah, that <laughs> listening to him like call call that those games he did was just a treat.
0: Yeah, uh, like
2: he was Let's calling move plays because I hate him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um. No, I I want to continue talking about Tony Romo. This is now this is now the, this this is now the Tony it. Romo uh, <laughs> podcast. And you are now podcast. on it as a co-host. How does it's, that make is, you feel? <laughs> I
2: uh, I can't do it with his reaction noises. Is ooh, ah, look up here. Ooh, ooh, like, ooh. Like, that's that's not casting. That's just, that's just explaining a playbook with oohs and ahs. I'm not into it. <laughs> All
0: right. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. It's probably time right. to talk about the news. Oh. This week in Dota Underlords. Uh, So, as we said, we had a ton of stuff happen since the last time we had a show. Um, Probably the biggest one of them all was a patch that happened on Friday, August 30th, um, where we got the Ace Tier Heroes and Contraptions. This one kind of came out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, I I knew after they adjusted the odds to the Legendary, we'd see a a change eventually, but... I don't think anyone predicted new items along the lines of contraptions and and the way that the aces were implemented.
0: Right. And then we got a whole bunch of hero changes along with that as well. Um, So where do you want to start? Let's let's start with the contraptions. Like these are items that you can get that you can place on the board.
2: Yep. There are four items. There is the barricade, the target buddy, the healing ward and the tombstone. Um, their usefulness is pretty clearly defined I feel like um, it's it's easy to talk about which one of these is the worst and and how you know the rest are pretty good in some regards uh, I I'll just come out and say it healing Ward. Uh, I think the concept is is pretty good but um, it it's not very good in execution it's just it feels weak compared to other healing items and uh it's its effectiveness just doesn't seem to really hit the mark right now but um overall i I really like the introduction of contraptions
0: yeah it seems like in the games that i've played probably the most popular ones are target buddy and tombstone i don't feel like tombstone's all that good i could be wrong but i don't feel like it is that's a hot take (laughs) tombstone's
2: and stone's amazing i think tombstone is really good but you have to have the support for it because the zombies are based they scale based off the unit that died so if you have a lot Mm -hmm. of three stores tombstone's value a lot of three stars tombstone's value goes way up also, summoning stone um, affects zombies, so it will increase their health and attack speed. So if you have a summoning stone and a comp that produces, you know, already benefits from summoning stone, then adding a tombstone just doubles down on the effectiveness of your build and item. So um, it, it it needs a little support here and there, but, but I feel like tombstone is very strong.
0: All right. Well, it, uh, maybe just the people I've been playing against that have been using it don't know how to use it because... Yeah. To me, it just felt weak. Um, I haven't, I haven't actually had a chance. Like in all the games I played, it's never come up <laughs> as an item yeah, for me same, to grab. So
2: I have yet to see it as an item myself. I've, I've only played, I think, seven or eight games since the patch. But yeah, I was surprised that I've never even gotten Tombstone as an option yet.
1: Yeah, I've, I've uh, in my testing, I've gotten Tombstone a lot, and it's, it's good every single time. It, it, it just fills the board.
2: Yeah, um, its radius is a little wonky. Uh, you probably want to put it on the second line of your board. Uh, that mm-hmm. way, it'll cover all the way to your back line without like losing ground. Because if you put it any further than back, you're wasting space on it. Um, so, you're if you want to get a, you will get effectiveness out. Of, I believe in the first two lines on your opponent's board, but um, maybe it's only one. I I can't recall offhand. So you're going to want to be, you know, sort of exposed around it on your front line, especially units you, you expect to go down early. Uh, but overall, if you get any sort of value on it, it it's pretty beneficial.
0: All right. Um, and then, of course, Target Buddy. Um, I've seen that used countless times. Yeah. Um, and there's some, there's some there's some fun plays that you can do with that. You can, you know, obviously put it in the front line and, We'll talk about positioning a little bit later in the show, Um, Mm -hmm. but um, then there's other areas where you might put it in the back line if uh, you're worried about assassins or stuff like that. I've seen that a couple times too. Um, And then, of course, barricade um, is just a way to kind of slow down your opponent. Same with target buddy. Um, Just a way to kind of slow down your opponent on getting to your units uh, uh, quickly. Um, The thing is, if if you're an opponent... Against uh, people that are using these items, very much pay attention to where they're placing these items. Um, yeah. uh, that, that becomes very important uh, uh, if you want to do well in those games. Um, yeah,
1: there, there's uh, like I've, and I like that you mentioned watch the positioning of them because like there's been a few times where I've actually managed to bottleneck opponents um, with uh, like bar- their own barricades just by shifting my own team over away from them. If right. I know they're coming up. Yep. And it, yeah, it, it can get pretty messy, but like target, like target buddy, especially almost everybody I see who isn't expecting assassins just throws their entire team in the back line after they get a target buddy and just lets, um, lets that target buddy take that first, you know, salvo of, uh, offense from the other team. And their own team is just able to
2: wail on
1: the distracted, uh, opponents.
0: Yep.
2: Yeah. I mean, to not to sell it, um, really any other way but then as a unit target buddy has a thousand health and ten armor like that's that's comparable to a lot of two star tanks baseline like they might have a little more health but they most of them only start with five armor so it (laughs) he's a real unit in the early game too especially if you get him on round two or three he can really basically carry you through the early game and help you win streak if uh if you use him as your front line especially if you're in a build that doesn't really do good with its front lines early um I, i know warlocks and and early on with mages they can struggle with their um not really having a front line to protect some of the spells at Hunter as well if you don't get the warriors you want. It's, it's just effectively a really strong unit
0: early. Yeah. Um, the other big change that came into this patch uh, was Tier 5 units are now aces. Um, so each is a capstone to its associated alliance. Um, each ace unit, in addition to its regular abilities, offers a new ace effect. That is enabled when you have at least one level of its associated alliance so for example um if you're in warriors and at three star warrior or not three star but uh at three warrior uh you know your third one is a um troll warlord then you get like an extra special effect as well um because troll warlord is the one of the aces for warriors. Um, Same with trolls or whatever. So if you go troll warriors, I believe you get some additional stuff. Am Uh, I right on that? That's actually incorrect.
2: The uh, troll warrior Lord is the ace for the troll alliance. So you would need to at least have Ah. one other troll when you get them to enable the capstone. So it's not the warriors Warriors, troll. Yeah. Warriors don't currently have. Yeah. Just that's one thing that's kind of weird about the aces. You got to keep in mind, like they are not ace capstones for all alliances they represent. They are only ace capstones for very specific ones. Uh, we currently only have, I believe, five aces in the game, maybe six. Let's see. Disruptor, Enigma, Gyro, six. Lich, Medusa, and Troll Warlord. So yeah, we have okay. six currently in the game. Or no, I, seven.
1: I'm going to call it right now. Sven, the Rogue Knight, will be the uh, capstone for warriors, will be the ace unit for warriors. Uh, people who are familiar with Dota will know who that is. Um we we also
0: talked about it in the last show as well i think
1: yeah, yeah I yeah. mentioned him because uh, he was on that poster and he he'll probably have like an a o e stun he'll probably have a stormhammer for his uh ability and probably cleave as well because that's a that's a big thing for him or he'll have his god strength and he'll just double his damage so those are those are all possible options for him but i that he would fit in real nice with a a nice uh warrior comp um so but we'll see we'll see when uh that comes out they honestly with these ace units i'm expecting more heroes to drop very rapidly um as we go on just to fill out the ace tier for alliances yeah. um let me think. I had something else lined up. Go ahead. I'll,
0: I'll well, remember in a well, sec. So, so the Ace tiers, let's see. We had Disruptor, which became the Ace for the Warlock Alliance. Uh, Enigma is the Ace for the Shaman Alliance. Uh, Gyrocopter is the Ace for the Deadeye Alliance. Uh, Lich is the Ace for the Mage Alliance. Medusa's Ace for the Scaled Alliance. Um, Techies is the Ace for the Inventor Alliance. And Troll Warlord is the Ace for the Troll Alliance. So, yep. um, just something to keep in mind. Don't be incorrect, like I was I'm thinking <laughs> that it was for all of their alliances. Um, I completely read that wrong when I saw it earlier today, and I've been playing it wrong too. So, um, th- that's good hey, to know. help <laughs> Jr. Yeah, that's what I get for not reading, not reading the uh sh- the notes, the updates before I started playing this week. So I was just going hey, by what you guys told me.
1: And there are actually a couple of units that get really good. Um synergy going with, with like certain cops like uh enigma is really strong disruptor if you're running for for warlock disruptor is filthy with that like getting yeah. that getting it onto two different people and he fills out you know brawny alliance as well so if you're running brawny that's a big boon as well you know um but i think i think medusa is probably one of the best ace tiers right now personally. Um, Just for scale, because like Slark's always going to be relevant because he's just ridiculous. I don't know how you how you tune him down um, without just major nerfs to him. So like giving your 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 guys retaliate because you'll probably have a Slardar. You will definitely probably want to pick up a Tidehunter later on. So it like having retaliate be her ace bonus is just wonderful. I think Lich is the worst ace tier unit, though, now.
2: Like individually as a unit, he's great, but the bonus, the ace bonus he brings is uh, Yeah. Yeah. But you're still going to play Lich over yeah, like you're... a lot of mages if you run into them. So for sure. It, it, it's just kind of icing on the cake there. Really, the Mage Alliance uh, bonus is so good that if the ace effect was overpoweringly strong, it might be too good. I, I, I would think, anyways.
0: Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. So just to go over um, some of these, uh, uh, what the ace effect are um, so really just- quick
2: before we uh, move on to that, I just wanna point out that you need, if you have at least one level of the alliance enabled, as JR alluded to earlier, you have uh, two of one and you, you have the ace or whatever. When an ace unit appears in the shop, the odds of it being the ace unit associated with that alliance is increased by 15%. Now these are tier five units, so it's a pretty big deal because I believe even at the highest level, yeah, they only sit at 6% when you're at level 10. So that changes those odds to 21% to see the ace that you're looking for. Actually,
1: yeah. that's wrong. That's wrong? So, <laughs> how, sorry, because uh, when we were when I was casting UPL over the weekend uh, on Friday with uh, Charmer, we'd actually come into this exact situation, and I thought what you just said was right, and he corrected me. So what happens is when it checks that first percent chance to see if a... a buy an ace unit Wait, is in the yeah. shop
2: it's a 15 percent increase on six percent odds so it's really only it's, like two percent more
1: yeah if yeah. if it if it, if you hit that chance to have an ace unit then it applies the 15 percent to see if it's the rel if, if it's the relevant ace unit for your alliance
0: yeah
2: yeah so yeah, yeah, that, yeah. so no, it's not a
0: 21 percent it. chance it's the same six percent chance, but you have a slightly higher chance that of that six percent chance, it's the one that you need.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's still it's still really helpful in the in the long uh, run of things because you're going to more reliably get the units you need. Yes. Over over the longer course of time, but you know, as you're frantically mashing reroll in round thirty eight, looking for that last you know Medusa, you're you know, it's probably going to feel bad because you're probably not going to hit it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, You'll get, you'll get 30 enigmas, but no Medusa. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, but you know, hopefully, hopefully with the enigma, you have the shamans to, yeah, who knows? Anyway, uh, the, the, (laughs) yeah, the chicken meta. Uh, so, uh, disruptor, the ace effect there. Um, the effect of the warlock alliance is now applied to two units in addition to the warlock itself rather than one unit um so you get a little bit more healing now um uh, on your low uh on your low dudes um enigma yeah. uh, extends the effects of the shaman alliance to your entire army no um, that's so, well, that's
1: changed now that... yeah that okay. that lasted all of 3 days it's now gotcha. negative 200% mana I,
0: i'm reading off of then we'll get into that a little bit later. Then I'm reading off of the notes of what this was on that day. So at the time when this happened, it extends the effects of the shaman lines to your entire party. We'll get into that change here in a little bit. Um, That is no longer true. Um, uh, Gyrocopter grants Deadeye units. uh, True strike Uh, units with true strike cannot miss.
1: Um, I love that, by the way. I'm a sucker for that.
0: Uh, Lich... Uh, your army's mana generation from attacks is increased 10% uh, per mage alliance level. Uh, Medusa grants scaled units Retaliate. When a unit with Retaliate is attacked, they apply a 24 damage per second alliance level debuff to their attacker. Um, techies uh, grants Inventor units Chain Reaction. If an enemy dies as a result of Unstable Reactor uh they explode just as if they had unstable reactor um and troll warlord uh grants your units mini bash uh while attacking your team has a 5% chance per troll alliance level of stunning their target for 0.25 seconds um so if you're running warriors like I was it's probably helpful to have an extra troll in there so you can get that little troll alliance going um which I was still winning but I didn't realize that I wasn't getting the effect that I should have been getting, so that's good to know.
1: Yeah, uh, if I can share a funny story about techies real quick. Uh, We, uh, uh, during UPL, we saw someone go techies um, with with the ace bonus active, and it killed, it died, and then the board just exploded because everyone was so low health and they all had an inventor near them. And so everyone just started exploding and the board cleared in like, I don't know, a second.
2: Yeah, you can see w- a few cool clips of it going off out there. The the potential for unstable reactor to really just turn a game around is is pretty amazing. Techies, uh, Techies is a pretty strong ace right now. Yeah, it definitely is. It helps that the alliance is also so good that it's associated with because yeah, the techie you know, the inventor alliance cap is pretty cool, but really the the headline is you're also in Scrappy, which is a really good alliance right now. And then they have this great, you know, extra bonus in, in the chain reaction. Yeah.
1: Yeah, a good uh, a good Scrappy Inventor comp is, is violently tanky.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they almost go hand in hand, right? I mean, you have like three or four core Scrappy units, but most of them are Inventor as well, so once you get in that four Inventor, you can really just, you know, pair anything else with it. You can throw some Assassins on the back end of that comp or whatever. Uh, uh, I've
1: seen most common um, Scrappy mate.
2: Yeah, that's that's good too. Um, uh, scrappy is very mana-hungry, so it helps to have someone like Crystal Maiden around. And uh, naturally, once you grab Crystal Maiden, you want to pair two more mages with her. Uh, Scrappy does a lot of magic damage, I believe, too, uh, on their spells.
0: Yeah. So while I was at Dragon Con and um, having fun over there um, and not playing Underlords, I completely (laughs) missed the chicken meta that you guys are talking about that lasted all of three days. So this patch was on August 30th. This next patch was on September 2nd, which they called... The Chicken Dinner update, and this is the one where they <laughs> changed Enigma's Ace effect. Um, to uh, enemies affected by Hexes, Silences, or Stuns will generate negative two hundred percent mana. Um, uh, so that's pretty cool. And then they also yeah. did. Uh, they also moved Shamans back to a seventeen percent chance of being turned into a chicken when attacking a Shaman up from. 10% it was uh before um this is still like even this is still a really good um uh, uh ace buff though oh yeah um, so i have i've seen this in action and uh, it could it can really mess up uh what the other team is doing for sure
2: yeah, having that uh, that uh, mana just drain on all your, all your opponents, it's, it's it can be very helpful. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out, too, we didn't cover uh, real quick. There were some alliance changes on the August 30th patch. Uh, shaman is down to two heroes to activate the alliance from three. That's what made them a lot more viable. It feels yeah. a lot less awkward to splash some shaman into a lot of comps. Uh, there is It's the death of the nine hero comps. Those are gone, which is probably good because it really pathed you into a very specific way that didn't have it it never felt good to try and go nine elusive, nine warrior, nine assassin. It it, it never really worked out. Uh, there were, you know, fringe cases of it working, but overall it, it it felt bad to try and go for nine. So they got rid of all that and assassins are now three, six. Uh, same with elusive and same with warriors. It seems like warriors yep. and assassins have really benefited from these changes and elusive has kind of uh, fallen off the map from these changes.
0: Which probably makes you sad
2: yeah i really liked running elusive nine elusive was my jam i i thought it was cool when you could fall into it and then pairing it with like something like Terrorblade or whatever hyper carry i could get yeah. my hands on it it was a fun build but it, it's no longer here
0: yeah um i i i'm always uh i've always been a big fan of assassins um but i feel like um warrior right now has hugely benefited from this
2: yeah yeah, yeah. go ahead charlie uh, I was just going to say, and the fact that it's, you know, tier fours are more plentiful right now since they upped them to 20 and the odds are up. Uh, Kunkka and Tidehunter both feeling a lot better these days. And, and Warrior as a support class in general, it, it feels really good to splash three Warriors in a lot of things right now. Yeah. Go ahead, Zex.
1: Yeah. And I was going to mention that uh, the Warrior Alliance is down to six from nine. So it's, even, it's, you have a lot of flexibility within a Warrior comp to adjust as the time as as the game goes on you may no longer want that tu- that tuscan that two-star tuscan there and you want you know something with a little more crowd control so you swap it out for a, for a kanka yep. you know it, it's it's a lot easier to flex into stuff going warriors now yeah so the
2: transition I, is 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 way easier because they are like you said very flexible on a lot of their alliances
1: yeah and with uh, um thinking here yeah, and Warriors is just strong in general. Just the armor they yeah. get. I mean, there's so many right clicks going on. That
2: 20 armor is, is definitely nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, they're a big deal in the early game, and they're kind of plentiful, too. You know, when you think about it, you got Tiny and Tusk uh, that jump out at you, and then you've got uh, a plenty of Warriors on the Brawny Alliance and Axe and uh, Juggernaut. You know, you, you just have a lot of options for Warriors, and then the Tier 4 Warriors are all pretty good, too. Okay. yeah. Uh, I mean, even a two-star Pudge is yeah,
1: maybe one of the best tankers in the game just because he's got, what, like 2,500 health at level 2? That's
0: ridiculous.
2: Yeah, and Pudge is really good if you plan on going into somebody like Necrophos, anybody that right. you can pair with a Heartless Alliance. Yep. It's definitely it's great.
0: Yeah, Warrior with Heartless right now is also pretty good.
2: Y- yeah, yeah, I um, definitely agree with that. What's
0: also nice is Warrior you can get... Um, Uh, You can get the scaled alliance in there as well by going with Slark um, and uh, uh, Slardar, um, and then you could always transition that later once you get into the four stars to get, you know, uh, like Charlie said, Tidehunter instead of Slardar. Um, So, like, Warrior is very versatile right now in being able to upgrade uh, for your late game.
1: I'm sorry, did I just call Tidehunter Leviathan?
0: I, I don't know.
2: I don't think I, so. I don't oh, okay. hear you say that, but who knows? Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I would also point out too that Kunk is great with Fall from Grace because he pairs well into Heartless as well. Yeah, definitely. His value goes up quite a bit there. Yeah, and, yeah, and pretty I, much all the top tier. Um, and we'll we'll actually be talking about tier three items later, but all the top tier um tanks benefit greatly from great bracers of desperation. Uh, not as much as Doom. A uh, Doom one we haven't even mentioned yet, and Doom's been phenomenal in this meta. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's why I said, like, Warrior to me, when I've been playing Warrior lately, just feels really good. Yeah, um, I mean,
1: especially late game, because you've got, what, four Warriors on Tier 4? Doom, Kunkka, Tidehunter, three. Yeah,
2: Yeah, just the three, and you got Troll Warlord as an ace for the Troll troll Alliance. Yep. Yeah. He's also a Warrior.
1: Yeah, it would be pretty easy to flex into uh, Troll Warrior. Yep. Oh yeah, that's for a sure. thing.
2: For sure. Uh, yep. Troll Troll warlord is is uh great and then obviously Troll shaman is or yeah, Troll shaman, Shadow Sh- Shadow shaman? Yeah. Sh- Shadow shaman. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. Shadow shaman. It's the troll, yeah. Yeah, uh that's just uh, has one of the best disables in the game. Uh benefits from a multitude of items and and easily flexes into a lot of different, you know, troll and and warlock are both a really good item or really good alliances. So.
0: Yep. For sure. Um, but then, uh, so that does it for the August 30th update. We had, a an update after that on the 31st. It seemed to be, uh, mostly hot fixes, uh, changing, um, uh, some of the, the bugs that they found or some of the stuff with like target buddy that they had. Um, we won't really yeah. dive into that. Um, like I said, September 2nd, they had the chicken dinner update. And then on September 5th, um, just a few days ago, um, they had the update in which Tusk and Friends get mighty stylish. <laughs> um, this one seems to be mostly a um, a UI change, um, uh, and uh, the, the they added some ProtoPass things. Well, they they capped ProtoPass to ninety nine mm-hmm. instead of was it twenty five or thirty? I don't remember. Twenty five. Uh, yeah, twenty five. Yeah. Um, but the problem is they don't have new items. Yeah,
2: I, and I think we'll see those items down the line. It's just right now, uh, I think players were feeling like they were throwing experience away by playing while we were still capped at 25, and uh, Valve actually came out on Twitter and said uh, a lot of those retroactive experience gains that players had should be p- applied at least somewhat to their account. Uh, right, yeah. So, you didn't really lose anything in the meantime, but I guess this is just so people can see it and not feel like they're losing.
0: Right, but I, I'm not a fan of this. I Like, if they wanted to. Really? Yeah. So I'm okay with them. Like if they would have come out and said, Hey, retroactively, we're going to, we're, we're going to keep track of your experience and we will add it later. Maybe. Um, but right now I'm just leveling up and not getting anything for it. And I, I guess it's, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other, right? Where, yeah. where um, I'm, um I don't feel like I'm getting anything, but I see it leveling up. Cool. And then at some point I'm just gonna get a bunch of items. I'm gonna be like, okay, neat.
2: Yeah, you gotta wait for Patch Christmas, then you get to open all your presents.
0: Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I like yeah, I like I getting you. stuff, unlocking stuff as I get there.
2: You'd rather it, it just stayed capped until they were ready to get us new stuff. So Probably. the level ups didn't feel empty.
0: Probably. But at I the same time that. at the same time, I I agree it would have felt bad though if I was sitting here playing a lot and then all of a sudden I think Heroes of the Storm did something like this, right? They did. <laughs> Where it's just like, oh, well, okay, yeah, I leveled up, but um, now you've uncapped me, and um, why did I play this game before? You know, <laughs> I'm not going to get yeah. all the goodies um, that I could have gotten if you'd just retroactively done this. Um, I don't remember if they ever did retroactively go back or not.
1: Um, yeah, they, they retroactively granted everybody who was capped well, they did kind of, they adjusted the XP. So if you had like a level 20 hero, like you came out at like level 56 and they also gave you a lot of boxes to open when, when that came in. So people just yeah. would have like all this in-game currency and they would just burn it all rerolling, trying to get the best items. Yeah,
0: I guess that's, so that's what true. I did. Yeah. I had already stopped playing that game by then. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm
1: still trying to figure out what a- animation improv in Im- Im- is because I'm reading these patch
0: notes and uh, improvements I- Im- Oh yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They spelled that wrong. Um, <laughs> they did. Their editor did not do a good job. All right. um, right. <laughs> But yeah, so, but, but we also got uh, some visual upgrades of the two star and three star alchemist blood seeker, uh, Crystal Maiden, Sand King, and Tusk—they uh, all look pretty amazing. I love that they continue to do this in the game. Um, yeah, I got
2: a two-star alchemist the other night, and he looked cool. Yeah, he had like these shoulder pad things on. I don't know; it's I'm not very good at describing it. I was just like, "Oh, that does look cool." Yeah. <laughs> I, I do
1: like the three-star alchemist because it's the same as the two, but he just has like more arrows sticking out of them Oh, nice. <laughs> nice! Like, and I just realized this—you can go in, like, if you go into the heroes tab, if you click on them. You can uh see what they look like throughout their their uh, star levels, yeah yeah
2: in the game
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah. I, I, yeah I didn't even know that that's actually really cool
0: yeah. yeah um so in gameplay uh melee units can now target barricades with no better. Uh, targets are available. Uh, Assassin targeting, blink dagger targeting is now a bit more random uh, between left and right when selecting the farthest uh, target. Um, So that's kind of nice, I guess. Uh, You know, if you put something in the corner on the left corner, um, it's or, you know, in the back, it's not going to automatically always go to... It's it's going to go to the furthest one. It's always going to go to the right, but if you put it, like, in the middle, I guess, deciding on to go to the left or the right for this target, it's a little bit more random. Yeah, yeah.
2: and, uh, you know, sometimes it goes off twice in a match, so, you know, it'll it'll make it a little... give it a little bit more of a random factor to it. Uh, obviously, with when you introduce more random, you can't really uh, predict the odds of it, you know, attacking the right target you want, but... Right. Probably um, a better, better overall. Yeah, we, we had
0: some uh, hero changes. Uh, Arc Warden, uh, uh, this is a pretty big change to Arc Warden. Uh, Tempest double, there's now a three-second cooldown on creating another clone whenever a clone dies. So no longer will I be sitting there hitting Arc Warden, clone, hitting Arc Warden, clone, hitting Arc Warden, clone, <laughs> and forever, forever and ever and ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and I'm guessing this came because you could do something a little jank I'm not sure if this is the reason this changes here, but it was probably needed either way. But you could do something a little janky with uh barricades where you'd have two barricades on the left of the Arc Warden who's in the corner and it would just keep spawning the clone in that one available space directly in front of it, making it very hard to melee your way into the Arc Warden. Uh almost impossible, I would imagine.
0: Yeah. Uh Yeah, I just ran into so many games where I'm just like, just kill this Arc Warden already! (laughs) Stop killing his clone. Okay. Anyway, um, Sand King, uh, Caustic Finale, uh, fixed an issue where duration was not set properly, leading to Caustic Finale doing the timer expired rather than the on death damage, uh, much of the time. Um, neat. (laughs) Yeah, just
2: more of a. It was more of a gameplay clear up. They wanted. Sand King's now, fi- I think Sand King after it's 40th change is now finally operating the way they want.
0: Yeah. Uh, Tide Hunter Ravage now applies its damage after the stun is applied so the Shaman Ace effect interacts properly. Um, so mm-hmm. this is just a fix with the uh, change that they did with Enigma. Um, and Tiny uh, can now toss the target buddy.
2: The most important change. The most important change. Um, the game was literally unplayable before that. Uh, now, now you can go back to playing it because Tiny can toss the target buddy yes uh yeah not not much in the way of uh hero changes here obviously a small small nerf to arc warden i think arc warden's still an amazing unit because of the amount of damage it can pump out and how good it is and in, in certain builds and relies on items like big time contract and one up to really scale up he's he's just really strong right now so that helps bring him more down to earth a bit but he's still a very strong unit and the rest is all just kind of gameplay updates and whatnot
0: Yeah. I feel like the biggest change is definitely the uncapping of the protopass XP.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the more, the more, uh, visual change in all of them that really, you know, you're going to notice the most because now people are going to be able to, you know, blast all the way up to who knows, whatever, you know, we might have level people on level 50 before the next patch or something.
0: Yeah. So with all of these changes in the last two weeks, um, the meta has shifted, um, shifted again, then shifted again. Um, where do you feel we stand right now on um what like where the meta is at right now i feel like it's still um you know you you, you level up um uh to get to you know 6 or 7 uh fairly quickly um but also get to your 50 gold and kind of sit there and then you play for your in game um yeah yeah that's that's pretty pretty close yeah i mean
2: I feel like every, uh, unit or every alliance has a pretty unique way that you play them right now. Um, mostly though, I I think four stars are good enough to just focus everything on. Um, it's very much a tier four, uh, not four star tier four. It's very much a tier four meta at the moment, I feel.
0: And it's been, it's kind of been that way for a little bit now since they put in the tier four changes before we left.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, they you, We had that brief period where it was all about the five-star. Then it, it kind of yeah came back down to just being about tier four, and that hasn't changed too much. Um, Aces obviously shaped that a lot, but there are so many good units in tier four right now between Alchemist, Necro, Tide kunk uh dis well no, no longer disruptor i'm i'm sorry um
0: i think disruptor is still really good oh yeah he's great
2: but he's no longer a tier four unit he's in tier five. Oh yeah um well, <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: uh
2: you know yeah nothing wrong with disruptor just no longer a tier four uh but yeah there's just there's a ton of great tier four units i i could you know there there aren't many that are just completely devoid of value mirana does a lot of damage if you're in hunter so um yeah, overall right now with the higher odds and the higher um, availability in the pool, uh, tier four seem to be very important for this meta to, in, in my mind right now.
0: So which alliances do you normally try to go for right now, Charlie, when when you play?
2: Um, I've always erred on the side of I don't want anybody else in the alliance I'm going for. So to, even to my detriment, sometimes I'll, I'll pick, I feel like I picked the wrong alliance, but uh,
0: well, you can it, still... It, let's call... say, let's pretend that no one's picking what you feel is the best alliance which alliance are you going for
2: just the best um it's a little bit item dependent i think uh some some uh, um some comps roll a lot higher obviously you can go insane with big time contracts or um summoning stones but let's let's throw those out aside i really really like hunter and and um and warrior Uh, it's very versatile you can go three hunter or six hunter um either way you can you can go into scaled that way you have warrior you have a great backline um in hunter i don't think as many people play it right now um it's not as sexy as as going for those you know options i alluded to or getting rolling really high with brawny or getting into some warlock shenanigans it's or knights for that matter which is pretty much hasn't changed for two months now ever since they they upped the night bonus uh god even before we started our show nights have been the same so uh that that's kind of old reliable but yeah overall my favorite build right now is definitely uh warriors and hunters um i don't know if that's something zex saw a lot of in upl or not or if it was something you guys have encountered much but it, it seems to do pretty well for me
0: yeah yeah willie what what have you be, been seeing in your uh league that's been uh, popular I,
1: Actually, uh, Scrappy is incredibly popular right now because it just brings a lot to the table right now. Uh, scrappy Mage is incredibly strong. I I saw a Scrappy Assassin do real well until the late game, and then that kind of got just shut down by uh, like Shaman and the burst from mages. Yeah. Let me think, uh I saw some Night Dragon Heartless. There is one guy who uh I think wow, wow somebody just splashed literally everything and just ran ran a game with just the strength of his units. Cause he had three he had three stars before round twenty on some of his warriors. Yeah. And I, like really what do you what do you do against that that you know, someone running a
2: three star at you that quickly. Yeah. yeah, you can always roll high early. Um, and and it, that's pretty what's great about this right now, too. I think there's a lot of flexibility in what you pick in this meta.
1: The comp that caught my eye the most, and it was run by Natalie. She just obliterated everyone with this. It was a Bloodbound Knight Dragon comp. Ugh. And she yep. got a, a BTC on her two-star Dragon Knight, and she had... Uh, Two ogre magi's and a warlock sitting up front, and then just a bunch of beef behind the dragonite, yeah. and and that dragonite would pop; those units would die, and he would just smoke everyone. It was one of the most ridiculous comps I've ever watched, and I was delighted because a bloodbound comp had actually won, and this was <laughs> this was round two so she was playing everybody who had won the previous round their their group because we run eight groups um she was playing everyone who had won in the previous round so like yeah. she was coming up against like really good players players like ninja 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 there was a couple of other uh people who were you know top 30 that she was just dusting yeah, it I was it a was... very
2: strong uh uh you know big time contract that you always wanted on a carry like a dragon dragon knight. uh that's that's just really strong. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it but um like Charmer like was begging someone to go scrappy mage and someone finally did and he <laughs> was very
2: excited about it. Scrappy Mage is really good and it's one of those alliances too that's kind of interesting because you could start off early game being Scrappy Hunter or being Scrappy Assassin and then by level 30 decide you want to transition into Scrappy Mage because when you think about it, what are the three mages you're going to pair with it? Probably if you could have your pick of three, you'd go Crystal Maiden, uh, Cottle, and Lich. All available late game with the lowest unit and that being a level three or tier three. So yeah. Um it's it's pretty easy to transition into scrappy uh scrappy mage in the late game to secure a win if you feel like Zex alluded to earlier, a, a uh scrappy assassin feeling strong early than falling off hard late.
0: Yeah. And Crystal Maiden right now is pretty good. Um mostly I'm not feeling her anymore. Uh well, she's good because of her passive, and passives yeah, are broken in the game right now.
1: Right, but she's like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's value for for three star. Like I would, I would re- personally, me, um, I would replace Crystal Maiden with Puck, especially I, if I, especially with Dragon, if we're if we're throwing Dragonite in there, because then Puck just gets all kinds of ridiculous in the later games with a with a, um Ethereal me, Jaunt. Is it? Let me let me click on her. That works uh, more. Face shift. Sure. Face shift.
2: Yeah. That works more if you're mage focused, though. In my mind, like you're you're kind of really junking up Scrappy if you try to add all that into it.
1: Right. You don't even need to add the full six mage. Honestly, like if you've got the six Scrappy, the, just imagine uh, a techie bomb. Well, I'm going just talking
2: on. four Scrappy and three mages. That's oh, you know, okay. seven units, but it's still it's it's a bit clunky to try and work a Dragon Knight and a Puck into that, especially since Dragon Knight is so highly contested. Was all those
1: yeah that's okay, that's a good point. that's a good point yeah I, I follow you now all right
2: now, i'm not uh, yeah I'm not discounting the strength of that alliance. I think pairing those two, especially in a mage focus comp when uh when you're you can still be three mages, you know and and rock a dragon knight and a puck together yeah same way mm-hmm. same thought behind Morphling and primordial
0: yeah um yeah as for me, I've been having good luck with um like I said earlier warriors um uh paired with uh, heartless um scaled. And um, warlock like that, you know, pairing it with those tend to be uh, tends to be pretty good. And now apparently trolls, I need to try that a little bit better now. Now that I uh, misunderstood what troll warlord was doing for me, (laughs) so yeah, maybe I'll win a few more games now, boys. That's what this podcast does. It teaches us and it teaches you. Because I'm wondering (laughs) how many other people out there were making the same mistakes I was. Probably just me, but. We'll find out. Um, but moving on, we should probably talk about um, this item tier list that Charlie put together. Welcome to the Pro Corner. So as we've uh, done on some previous episodes, we kind of have um, kind of had a tier list. I think last time we talked about blacklisting a little bit, um, but uh, we talked about tier one items the first week, tier one items the second week. Tier 3 items this week, Charlie.
2: Yeah, yeah, I figured I'd follow up. Even though the items have been kind of in flux a little bit, I think they've all stayed around the same. I I would change my opinion, as I mentioned last week, on a few items, and I think I updated that. Uh, Barricade I would put in the okay tier uh, to go back to Tier 2 items, and I would probably put Target Buddy up near the top. I don't know if it would be in good tier or really good tier. Um, but it, it would be, it, it's near the top. Both items have an effect. I would caution people away from picking barricade if they already struggle with unit placement because that becomes double important when you decide to go into a barricade build. But that aside, that's not tier three. We're gonna cover tier three this week. Yeah, so where are we starting at? Uh, with the really bad tier. Uh, there's only two items in my mind and that's the the Donning of restool or whatever and the uh, poaching of kni- the Poaching Knife. Uh, both items are just very low um, as far as when you compare them to other items. Dawning ritual is almost a negative at all points. I think you can maybe get away with re- running it in a mage focus comp where you know your your opponents are really heavily reliant on their sustain. Uh, other than that though it's 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 very um, very low on the usability scale, and, and Poaching Knife kind of falls in there. It does almost nothing most of the time. Um, you can high roll with it, probably, and just keep getting gold off of every kill on a, on a unit that secures a lot of kills. But most of the time the problem is y- your units that are going to be the best at securing kills are gonna benefit from a lot more items, so. yeah you'd rather have a skull basher or a moon shard or whatever on a unit. That's getting a lot of kills as opposed to a poaching knife. Just so you have the potential of getting extra gold. It, it just, they both feel very bad.
0: Yeah. I remember being super excited for Donning ritual when it first came out. Yeah. Uh, used it a couple of times and then realized, Oh, this, this hurts me as much as it hurts you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen people in scrappy take it, take it, um, uh, and I think I have it wrong in the show notes here, and I'm sure Dota, our Dota veteran, Dota expert Willie, can correct us. Is is it Ritual or wrist-tool? Uh It would be Wristool. Oh. Wristool. Okay. I so, always yeah, thought it was so. Ritual,
0: I and mean, that's Me what you had it written down as. <laughs> yeah. It's,
2: and, it, and then it, I had the item up on the official page. I'm like, wait, it says Wristool.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Ristool is a location within the Dota universe. It was actually it was actually mentioned because nobody played Artifact but it was it was
2: one of the locations in Artifact. <laughs> All right. I see. So, yeah, both those items, pretty bad in comparison to most others. Um, moving on, though, we have the bad tier. Right here, I have Sacred Relic and Healing Ward. Um, I think Healing Ward suffers from being uh, pretty bad right now. Uh, I do think the concept is good, but just, just the short aura on it... The fact that it doesn't scale well into the late game and that it's pretty much outclassed by mechanism in most ways makes it a very hard thing to pick in my mind Um, because it it just it doesn't have enough of an effect to justify its pick. Um, Sacred Relic, it's fine. You know, um, it's it's. It's plus damage is it's okay. It's it's not the greatest stat debuff on most units. Um, I I like sacred relic on a luna, uh, especially if I have something else that wants the mask of madness, or I just miss mask of madness because, or maybe on a do so late, you know. But again, you'd rather have better items on them. Sacred ritual relic is just at
0: best okay. Uh, remind me what sacred relic does.
2: That's the one that's plus thirty damage. Oh, yeah, 60. sixty damage. Yeah, 60. Sorry, plus yep. sixty. Uh yeah. It's it's okay. You know, it it suffers from the same things that I covered with Claymore uh in a previous episode where you know scaling damage isn't as good as scaling DPS. Right. Uh the okay tier I have Vanguard and Mechanism, uh both defensive items. Uh, Vanguard is, you know, it, it's it's the same thing as chainmail, uh, but slightly better. Um, just As we talk unit. about
0: these, can you also define what, just so if people don't remember the names, to say what the items do as well.
2: Uh, I don't have exact numbers in here, let me go ahead and pull that up. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Vanguard essentially it block, has a increased chance to uh, block your opponent's damage, reducing it to almost nothing, is it nothing or 0%? Put me on uh, the fifty percent
0: chance to block seventy damage when attacked.
2: fifty percent okay, um and then uh yeah, the um oh man
0: <laughs> so that? I, I, yeah, I, I messed you up so hard, I apologize
2: yeah, now I'm trying to get the official numbers here, so I'm not just giving a brief uh, overview and now I've got a large sound in my ear from the game loading up, so just <laughs> bear with me for a half a second. <laughs> uh in general though yeah okay mechanism its effect is if you have less than 50 percent health heal allies up to three cells away 250 health once per battle um that's an item that really it it feels great on scrappy um it feels pretty good on knights it's it's generally something you want to put on a comp that's good at sustaining to make them even better at it
0: yeah i normally Um, put it on like um when i when i'm in knights i normally do pick this item up
2: yeah, it's, it's pretty good there, and, and it, it basically doubles down on, on the Scrappy uh, Rejuvenation as well, so it's, it's pretty good there, too.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: up next, I have the good tier. Uh, we have Maelstrom, and that has a 25% chance on attack to cast Chain Lightning for 100 damage to four targets. And then we have the Skull Basher, and that has plus 25 to attack damage and a 25% chance to deal an extra 100 and stun a target for 1.5 seconds. Uh, both have uses, very strong uses on um, individual units. Um, scale, Skullbasher is a little better for units like Luna, uh, fast attacking units, because you want to try to get a Arc chance. Arc Warden. Uh, Arc Warden, also very good there, yeah, to get a chance of more of a stun. Um, it's probably a little better in physical focus comps uh, if you have armor reduction and whatnot. And Maelstrom of the same breath is better in magic fo- focus comps or um, units that attack multiple targets. Uh, so. They're both about the same in effectiveness in my mind. It just uh certain certain builds lend better to them.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh Zex, I know we have a slight disagreement around here. Uh you you wanted to talk about Skullbasher? Uh
1: it was more Maelstrom that was my issue. Um I just I don't like I've got uh Maelstrom down at uh what tier did you have? Uh okay or bad tier. Uh along with uh, Sacred Relic and Healing Ward. Um, I just, I don't like the mana it gives to your opponent. So it does that,
2: and I think in certain comps, it it is bad to give that away, but I I think, like I was alluding to with Mages, it's pretty good. Um, It's also pretty good in Brawny. Um, It's it's great on fast attackers, uh, you know, in general. Anything that's going to benefit from spells essentially a uh, warlocks it does great in warlocks as well um i just think one has a very they both accomplish the same thing round mm-hmm. roundabout and all things set aside skull basher is probably a little better than maelstrom for its effects but i think uh they both have the same kind of like oh you want to put this on your you know one of your fast attacking units that represent that is represented in either a magic or a physical comp
1: yeah and and like you i've got spell, uh skull basher listed as you know uh, really, or well, good tier. Um, and the yeah. thing to keep in mind about Skull Basher when you're when you're placing that item on a unit is it has a hidden cooldown um, on yeah. the bash. It's like t- it's like a two second cooldown. So if you're dropping an Arc Warden with the Troll Bonus, hoping to just permastun everything out of its you know brain it's not gonna work like that guys but uh, and that's something a lot of people actually overlook is is that hidden cooldown um but yeah there yeah but go ahead and keep going um and then i will
2: uh we will compare and contrast yeah my my whole thing is they're both they're both items that belong on fast attackers and uh Maelstrom's a little bit better when you're magic-focused. Uh, yeah. Real good tier, um, the highest tier. Uh, I know my <laughs> tiers make no sense. Uh, I got Octarine, Bracers of Desperation, and Mask of Madness. Um, they're all kind of very specific items, but once they enable the thing they're specifically trying to enable, they're amazing. Uh Octarine is just a great unit on a, a great item on a lot of units. Uh immediately Witch Doctor comes to mind, as does uh, Beastmaster and Necro. Um basically anything that you're probably going to use as a primary caster for disables and um you think you're gonna get up to two or three stars. Octarine is
0: great. Yeah, and Octarine essence, uh just for those that don't know it reduces oh, yeah. ability cooldown by fifty percent.
2: Yep yeah throwing
1: uh, throwing that on a high level puck like a two or three star puck is like absolutely ridiculous because it also reduces the cooldown of phase shift so yeah you actually a get second. yeah you get more tankiness out of out of that puck because it's constantly blinking in and out of
2: existence it's also great on uh units that deal a lot of true damage uh but have a higher cooled omni knight Right, right comes to mind. That's a really great ability, and to bring that down to uh, half its cooldown can can really make or break a night comp in some some regards. Yeah. Uh, Bracers of Desperation is also a pretty great item. Uh, you want it on very specific units, though. I think it's it's great on a lone druid. It's it's great on um, lichen where you can cut that uh, cooldown. Uh, or get another cast out of your cooldown uh, that has 60 seconds. Um, it's also really good on units that are going to be on the front line that uh, may need to get their abilities off once more before they die. And obviously, uh, Tidehunter and Kunkka come to mind when you think about those. Just great AOE disables that you're hoping to get off multiple times in a fight. Bracers right. of Desperation can really enable that.
0: Right. and Its effect is equipped here resets their cooldown and gets full mana when below. Thirty percent health, um, and then attack targets. Magic resistance is reduced by thirty percent.
2: For some reason, I thought that item added five armor, but I guess it doesn't. Um, now uh, the last item is Mask of Manus. If you've seen a slark ever decimating your backline with the of Manus, I don't really need to tell you why Mask of Madness is good. It's amazing on units that have strong passive carries. Um, slark, Luna, troll warlord. Phantom Assassin. Those are all units where if you have them and you plan on taking them to three star, you want Mask of Manis to complete that synergy. It's it's just the perfect item you're looking for. And that's why I probably rate it the highest out of all those items. Granite, if you don't have any of those units, there's no point in taking that item right. because yep. it falls off hard when when you're not putting it on a on so. a hyper carrier with a passive of that yeah. nature. It really doesn't have a use of just throwing it around.
0: So Slark, um what what are the other ones that are really Phantom good? Assassin?
2: Yeah um i i know i said two others (laughs) uh luna luna's very good Mm -hmm. uh because her passive with the glaive and then um uh troll warlord troll warlord is completely passive on his uh you you put a mask of madness on him his attack speed is absolutely ludicrous don't
0: make the mistake i did on the very first day that the arc warden changes came into play (laughs) and put mask of madness on him because he will not create a clone
2: <laughs> yeah, that is a even though it is zero mana and it, it is still a cast. So
0: right, yeah. I remember having that debate with you when that came out, and I'm like, oh, I'll try it out. I'm like, no, Charlie, this doesn't work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was wrong when that uh, patch came out. uh That pretty much covers the way I feel about these items at tier three, though. uh I, If you'd like to throw in anything, Zach, we can talk about it, or or you, Jr.
0: Um, <laughs> I I feel like this is pretty close to what I use um maybe maybe I don't rank bracers of desperation as high as you do um but I, I could also just be playing it wrong um I'm I'm I'll be honest when it comes to the higher tier items like I feel like I have the tier one tier two items mostly sorted out on what I need to do the the higher tier items beyond that I still kind of struggle with a little bit um I do know hey whenever I see it I have a slark um, i definitely go mask him headness, pick yeah. that almost every time. Bracers um, are kind of
2: in the same vein there. If if you have, I mean, I feel like they're only in that tier if you have very specific units like Tidehunter or Kunkka or, um, you know, Lycan or uh, blah, 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 Lone Druid. Otherwise, it probably falls all the way down to okay or bad tier without those units. So it, it, it can feel really bad on certain comps. So I, I could see why maybe yeah. you're not as high on bracers. Right.
0: And I also feel like tier three to me is always the hardest. Like whenever that tier comes up, it, I always have the hardest time figuring out what to take. I feel like, cause I feel like tier four, I'm completely on board on like the higher tiers beyond it. I always feel weird at tier three and I don't know why. I think huh. it's because these items uh, outside of uh, mask of madness or skull basher, um, they're not the most visible things. Right especially yeah. when you've got Octarine and Bracers kind of being more defensive on the defensive side um, and not so much on the offensive side. I, I have a much better, or even Maelstrom. Like, there's sometimes I take Maelstrom and I, I'm just like, well, did that really do anything? I'm not really sure. Well, you can almost look at Tier
1: 3 as the transitory tier. Like, all of these items are going to go into your build one way or the other. There's... They all go into your build anyways, but like tier three is where you're kind of looking to finalize your lineup. And these items and the tier three items are usually the most key in helping you figure that out. Like you see a mask of madness and that's your, your best choice for that particular moment. So you grab it and then you start thinking. And then if you're not in a situation where you can immediately capitalize on it, you start working towards that. You start looking for that Stark. You start you start looking for that Luna. You start looking for, you know, that troll Lord, Warlord later down the line. Um, the same, same with Mech. And Mech's going to make you change your positioning um, a bit so you can get max value when that pops off. Um, like, even with Bracers of Desperation, you you start thinking about how you're going to alter your gameplay to get the maximum value out of that. It's not a, oh, I. it's not like towards a late game where you're like, oh, I finally got this part this completes my alliance. Tier three is more of the, all right, I want to go in a certain direction. Am I going to get the items I want out of this?
2: Yeah. If that, if that degree, makes I, sense. I, no, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I do caution players on taking items before you have the unit. Like I, I'm not a big fan of taking a flyer on mask of madness. If I'm not in any of those carries, um, I think oh, octarines sure. probably the easiest one where like, maybe you don't have that caster that it fits perfectly on right now, but if you see it, it's, it's probably, I don't want to say I, I, I hate using the word auto pick but it, it's it's probably one of the more optimal picks that you can make um it's just that valuable on certain units right. but yeah but so, yeah like i uh, feel like thousand.
0: i feel like skull basher out of all of these is probably the most versatile though uh mm. it's
2: as versatile as maelstrom but maelstrom is just i i think arguably better on mage units like I, i'd rather have that effect you know, being enabled by my mage alliance or being enabled by my warlock alliance rather than the chance to stun. I
0: think my point here is uh, in your really good tier, you have, like, three items that seem to be kind of, well, if you have this unit, it's better. If you have this unit, it's better. Um, Whereas, like, Skullbasher is like, eh, that could probably go on one of your units very easily.
2: I think that's kind of what Octarine is as well, and I think its effects is is just a flat out better than Maelstrom or Skulldasher. But yeah, uh, Bracers of Desperation and Mask of Madness are highly dependent on your boards and units. Their, their effects are so good that if you put them on those units, it it makes it very hard for the opponent to overcome that extra cast of the, you know, Shaman Disable or two bears on the field or whatever. But yeah, if you don't have those units, those items aren't going to feel very versatile, and you'd much rather have a Skull or a Maelstrom
0: yeah, I or know. an Octary. I, I mean, I, I mostly agree with your tier list. I was just um, thinking of some examples of situations I've been in that I'm like, I don't really know what to pick right now.
2: So, skull basher is definitely the easiest thing to wrap your head around it's it's yeah. effect is pretty clear when it happens on like maelstrom yeah. where it's a commutative damage sort of in the background thing that you you, you hinted to earlier yeah. it, and like you said yeah skull basher can go everywhere so it, it's definitely easy to see these items and go skull basher if that's yeah. what i want and,
0: and it's also often wrong <laughs> yeah it's also easy to wrap your head around because you get hit in the skull and it just yeah
2: yeah you bash someone in the skull yeah. and they have trouble thinking about what they're gonna do for five seconds
0: right well their their yeah, head is seconds. around yeah. that Half skull basher now so one point five <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> exactly
1: yeah there but there are just a few uh, like little things I, I I disagreed with I only have like one item in really good tier and that's octarine core and it's for basically all the reasons we listed there are very yeah. few units that aren't just straight up improved by octarine uh, essence and the only ones they don't improve can't equip it anyway so like slark can't equip it uh troll warlord can't equip it you know those people but like anybody is like immediately
2: improved in some way shape or yeah um, octarine really is good in most comps uh, the only one i can think of that I, I it feels like i might not have a place to place it was sometimes well r.i.p elusive and uh, <laughs> sometimes um and even then, it was good on Terrorblade. plate. But and then sometimes, uh, when you're an assassin, it, it, it feels like there's not a great home for it on a on a, an assassin build.
1: Um, I can think of one assassin, and that would be Templar assassin. Yeah, because just having that refraction up constantly is uh, is a huge boon to her, because that that blocks all damage. Laguna right. blade, whatever. <laughs> Hold the shield. Um, but like, I put, I put, uh, in the, in the good tier, I put, I had Mask of Madness, Braces of Desperation, and Skullbasher, just because Skullbasher, and it, it, again, all the reasons, but like the pro's play is putting it on that, that Arc Warden yep. that you're sitting on, just because it's double bashes, um, and they both have their own two second cooldown, so, you know, it's, something's going to be constantly getting mini-stunned, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the tier below that I had Vanguard and Mech. Vanguard can be really good on some high health units. Um, or even if you just want to try to keep that stupid Slark from smacking your Crystal Maiden again, um, it can delay that. Uh, B tier, Sacred Relic, Maelstrom, and We and we discussed that. But worst one, Healing Ward, Wrist Tool, and Poaching Knife. Now, if they increase the, the radius of Healing Ward by an additional one, um, I think it's a great item. Because then you can you don't have to plump everybody around it, and you're not kind of pigeonholed into going with a bunch of ranged units to get the maximum benefit out of it. You can put it on that second line and let your guys kind of go at that, and they'll get that that benefit. Or they can like buff the amount of HP it regens. But the, the healing the healing ward is going to be a really touchy thing to to balance. You give it yeah. too much HP regen, or if you increase the range too much literally everyone's going to pick it. Like if they increase the healing to like 35 or 40, like it's a, it's a triple S tier item. Like I, I would pay, I would auto lock that every single time. All
0: right. Um, I think that's it for the item discussion. Uh, we do have another small discussion. I don't
2: think we were going to go into that today though. Uh,
0: yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Anyway, we're gonna <laughs> no, we're gonna get into this uh, this email. That's what I'm talking about. I don't know what you're oh, talking oh, about. Oh, my mistake. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. So we did have an email. We're gonna talk about that. You've got mail. Yeah. So uh, the email that we got this week was from uh, someone named Daniel. Uh, thanks for emailing us, Daniel. And he says, Hey guys, love the show. I've been uh, looking to expand my knowledge base of the game, uh, but don't have a ton of time to research and browse Reddit. uh, So, this podcast is perfect for me. Um, I'm not a very good player. I'm stuck at Outlaw 4. And I think part of the reason has been my positioning. Um, I know that there uh, should always be some tanky frontline followed by the DPS in the back, but I'm wondering if there are any nuances with certain compositions. Uh, Could you guys suggest some guidelines in general? and uh, for some specific alliances as examples. Uh, thank you guys for this content. Looking forward to the next show. So positioning is definitely something I struggle with. Um, it's pro- I, I feel like positioning is one of the hardest parts of this game. Um, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, and, and just understanding the nuances of it. And uh, I feel like with the added, it, like he wrote this email before contraptions were even a thing. and so i feel like the additional contraptions has messed it up even more right right Um,
2: i think target buddy is a little bit straightforward um and once you understand the benefits of gravestone that can also be straightforward but barricades is very complicated in the way you place it and and uh and just thinking of the items as a way to funnel units into certain directions it it can also be very very high level kind of uh analysis for those kind of things but Probably beyond my expertise in right. general on that.
0: So uh, I think there's a couple things when he's talking about positioning that I feel mm-hmm. like you have to look for. Like he has a general idea, right? You know, yeah, you want tanky in the front line and mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Um, but you've got to think about: um, Do I want them? Um, do I want all my guys kind of in a clump? And then you've got to think: Well you you got to look at the other people's boards and see how they are positioned and see what they are playing. And I feel, yeah. like, um, I feel like you have to think about um, what kind of board that you have versus what kind of boards they have and look at, do you have a really good board or do you have a not-so-good board? And uh, if you have a not-so-good board, um, you might position for people that are near a board that you have um, and not worry too much about the boards that are going to kick your ass anyway.
2: Yeah, and I can just hit a few highlights of the relevant builds. Um, Bloodbound, obviously, you're gonna have sacrificial units. Uh, You might have that one-star warlock you want to die right away, move everything away from that unit, never upgrade the warlock to two-star, and just put it right in the front where it's gonna die right away. Uh, With Assassin, there are certain units that benefit from being on the front line, which can be a bit counterintuitive, and there are certain units that benefit from being in the middle. Uh, that you don't necessarily want to jump yeah i think the best assassins on the front line are probably morphling and sand king sand king i'm sorry the idea there is to uh make sure that they do enough damage to drop aggro after they cast their spells because those spells involve them teleporting to a new place on the map and uh when they do that they drop the aggro that they currently gain so it makes them good temporary tanks in the start take a little bit of damage that they you know eases yeah. the burden on some other frontline units, and then those uh, those units dive to the back and start doing work there. Uh, I'd say Queen of Pain and, and Templar Assassins are ones that you don't necessarily want to blink, so you can put them on, on your uh, second or third row of your board and, and benefit from that. Uh, I'll go ahead and plug, um, and I, I can tweet it out if anybody needs a link to it. Um, I had posted it on Reddit too. It's a guide that covers the uh, attack speed, and the attack range along with the mana consumption for every unit in the game and what type of damage their um, things do. It's a quick reference guide and a document, but this will help you with positioning as well because knowing what a unit's range is is very important. I think a lot of people forget that Enchantress is only two range, and a lot of people might not realize that someone like, uh, uh, who is it, Sniper, he has... has a range of seven so it makes a big difference on how you place your units and um, in general a a unit with a lot of range should be closer to the back so it can benefit from that range and and possibly take a little bit less damage. Uh, When it comes to pairing with mages it can be important to spread out a little bit if you're against other mages it can be the difference. Um, A spread out mage is gonna have a better chance at beating a mage that's clumped together because a lot of its AoE is gonna go onto the same target um with warriors obviously you want some of your warriors in the front to pick up that damage right away you got to decide who's your main tank and who are your primary off tanks um i think slardar and, and tide hunter generally make good uh, good good tanks that come in from out the side obviously you want doom maybe back even a space so he can come in and start doing damage uh really it's it, it is alliance specific and i could sit here and break down every alliance and it would take the whole podcast uh yeah but i Uh, I would say that, um, you know, you you just want to think about your unit's attack range and you want to think about how they fit into the build that they're uh, currently going or that you're going
0: for. Right. And and then, like I was saying, beyond that, you also want to look at the other people's boards to see what they're playing because you don't want to clump together if all of the good boards are AoE yeah exactly yeah. If positioning <laughs> um, if, comes down to what your yeah, opponents yeah are. if they're playing alliances or not not alliances, uh, assassins um you might position your board a little bit different based on that because they're going to be coming into your back line um yeah. a lot um so so you have to think about i think you have to look at what boards you are close to that you might like the thing is like with positioning it's not like I'm going to position and I'm going to win because my position's better. It really does come down to if my board's better than your board. Yes. But where you get the advantage is if our boards are slightly equal, positioning's going to give me the advantage over your board.
2: Uh, and yeah, I would wholeheartedly agree with JR's assessment there. Um, and in regards to Daniel, I don't know why you feel like you're not a very good player, but I'm sure if you keep sticking with it and practicing, and hey, listening to this podcast, you'll <laughs> yeah. you'll find yourself out of outlaw for in no time. Because uh, yeah,
0: but that would be um, that would be my recommendation would be to look at that. Um, uh, but beyond that, I I doubt that you're on outlaw because of positioning. Um, there might be some other things that you. Uh, might need to uh consider i i i personally think that the biggest problem that people have um, on the early um uh, ranks are they don't know how to uh run their economy and i feel like yeah. that might be something you might want to look at
2: i think an important thing for an edge too is constantly tabbing and keeping track of what your opponents are doing i think that's a big yeah. thing that separates the lower and the big ranks you you've got to be be very aware of what's going on to you uh the heart of your email i think is is you're worried that positioning is affecting your your gameplay in total and while, i and i think jr summed it up perfectly it's important when all things are equal but for the most part positioning is one of the lower tier things as far as playing this game and and knowing it in and out for uh for a way of climbing positioning
0: can get you from a third rank to a first rank Mm -hmm. but i don't think i don't feel like positioning is gonna Yeah, I don't feel like positioning is going to get you from an eighth rank to a third rank. Yeah, so it, just keep that in mind. Uh, I can it can bump you up, but I don't think it's going to bump you up that much. Um I anything think, I think there's add? something else you want to look at. Will
2: uh, Will, is there anything you wanted to add?
1: No, because my positioning is consistently garbage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I just learned a bunch, to be perfectly honest. There you go. There you go. Um, sure. But yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's time to. Look at getting out of here. We've gone pretty long this show. Yeah, so. taking
2: a week off. There was a lot to discuss. Uh, good, healthy discussion, though.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, before we get out of here, I wanted to go over um, podcast uh, reviews that we've had. Uh, thanks to you guys that have been leaving five-star reviews over on Apple Podcasts. I wanted to give uh, some of you a shout-out uh, real quick uh, from... Reverbex, uh, he said, "Awesome for all Underlords players. Uh, you'll be as happy to finding this podcast as a troll knight player is to find troll warlord."
2: <laughs> yes. This has been a theme in our reviews, and I love you guys for this. You've made meta comparisons, yeah. a lot of them, in, in our reviews. I love it. Keep them up. Keep those uh, five stars coming in with those good, uh, good analogies and jokes and puns. Yeah,
0: but, uh, the second review we had was from Convex Mirror. Uh, keep it up. This. Uh, Game is changing so fast, so it's great to have a weekly source of analysis and discussion. Thanks and keep it up. That is no joke. Yes. (laughs) There is so much going on in this game. Uh, I really wish we had been able to do a show. Last week, yeah. uh, instead of yeah. having to cram everything in this week, but yeah, I saw I saw
1: those Ace Tears and the contraptions drop, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, we are!" <laughs> I really wish we were doing a show this week because this week's gonna be really
0: long. <laughs> uh, Fortunately, vacation got in the way. Um, it's gonna happen again soon, uh, not that soon. Probably in a couple months, BlizzCon, for me. Uh, so end of October will probably be another break. Uh, one week. Uh, and then from Arlo uh, our, our Effort 2016, uh, he said, informative, uh, great podcast to help keep up with the latest Underlords updates, changes, keep it up, guys. Awesome. So thanks so much uh, to you three for those five-star reviews. And if you'd like to leave a review as well, uh, that helps us uh, helps us out a ton. It helps us get viewed by or listened to by more people. Um, yeah. Just head over to Apple Podcasts, do a search for Dota Underlords, and uh, you'll find us there. Uh, keep in mind, we're also on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, basically anywhere where you can listen to podcasts. We're Are there. we on Stitcher? Uh probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe hey, we're on Stitcher. Does anybody still use Stitcher? I. Uh,
2: I think they do. There's like a Stitcher <laughs> Premium in now and I everything. Mean,
0: so so the biggest thing is you can go to YetiArcade.com. there it is and uh, <laughs> look at the RSS feed there and you can pull it in to anywhere from by doing that so
1: I demand more five star pun yes yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna leave us a five star review get a good pun in there for me for sure I'm a, I'm a sucker for him.
0: Um, but uh, also of course uh, thanks to Daniel again for that email mm-hmm. uh, if you'd like to email us uh, younderlords at gmail.com is a place where you can do that uh, we love getting emails we love answering the emails I love the fact that we had another email this week so definitely be sending those in and we'll, we'll answer them uh, shout outs and how can people get in contact with you start with Charlie
2: Uh, Best place is over on the old Twitter machine at BalrogFanBP. I have been thinking, though, maybe we should have a show Discord for people to drop questions in there as well. We could read them during the email segments. And if we do get a show Discord together, uh, you would be able to find me easily there as well.
0: It would be pretty fun to have some eight-man games as well. Yes. If we did that. I agree. We will look into doing that.
2: Yeah, we can we can talk about that offline and whatnot, but yeah, I, I think it's uh that's how you find me for now though, Balrog Fan BP on Twitter. Yeah. Uh
1: how about you, Willie? Uh you can find me on Twitter at Zexterus. You can find me on Twitch at Zexterus. You can find me anywhere at Zexterus. You can also find me Friday nights, 7 p.m. over at twitch.tv slash underlords pro where I cast the underlords pro league. Uh, this week, we will have Charmer returning with us as co caster. And we may have a special guest again this week. It might be Baby. It might be Swim. Who knows? I don't, I don't think it's going to be Swim, to be perfect. But, like, <laughs> I've got some. We're expecting Baby. So I that should be really exciting. Register early. Oh, are you subbed? Yeah, I subbed. So. Yeah, so you get first crack.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I so. didn't want to jump in this week because I just. I new work was going to be hell and vacation and everything but yeah i think i'm going to try and play in this one so if you want to come see if i'm worth listening to or not you can come check out my performance in the games there
1: i will make sure to uh (laughs) note you out constantly (laughs) (laughs) oh we didn't talk about this on the podcast he's doing a new strat guys Uh, so but yeah that's where you can find me jr buddy where can people find you
0: uh you can find me over on twitter at eldorian Um, Where I, well, last week I tweeted about Dragon Con stuff. Uh, This week I'll probably tweet about complaining about Orc stuff. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but beyond that, I do want to give a shout out to all of our listeners out there. Uh, You guys have emailed us. You guys have left uh, podcast reviews. Um, We've got a lot of positive uh, feedback uh, from the show. Some constructive feedback about the show. That we're putting into work, such as the audio uh, quality and stuff like that. Hopefully, that's been a little bit better this week. Um, we're still working to improve. Uh, so, just a shout out to all of you out there. Uh, so, thanks for joining us for episode four of an underlo- or of Yo. I almost forgot the name of the podcast, guys. <laughs> episode four Yo. of Yo, an Underlords podcast. Uh, you can tweet us at podcast Yo or email us at younderlords at gmail.com with comments, questions and ideas that you have for the show. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you all next week.